the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Not two in the pink, one in the sink. Not like that. <laughs> Barracuda. That's what we call it. It's Barracuda <laughs> All right. We are back at another Flex Success podcast, joined by another wonderful guest. Hi, Dalton. No, I was you. Oh, hi. I am wonderful too. <laughs> <laughs> now we're here with Coach Dalton, the wonderful Dr. D. That's what we're going to call you eventually, right? Yeah, hope so. Fingers crossed. A couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing with study. Like PhD takes so long. Yeah, you also drive yeah, a motorbike, so you might not see the years out. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Drive safe. And like adding a master's on top of it. Like I could just do the graduate and go straight into a PhD, but no, I decided to add a master's as well. So just for it's fun. Be forever. Just for fun. Yeah, I just like feeling like constantly stressed and pressured. I love it. <laughs> now, for listeners who don't know who Dr. D is, aka Dalton Frank, aka Flex Success Coach Dalton, uh, mm. tell us, other than that little intro I gave you, who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? Uh, alrighty. So I'm uh, I'm kind of someone that kind of stumbled upon coaching as opposed to like really was interested in it first initially. Uh, my first true love was the military. I was in the army for a few years. And from there, I kind of realized that I was never as fast or as fit as the other people. And it really frustrated me why. Um, and especially being in infantry, it's kind of like the, a very competitive uh, nature. And then trying to do some special forces stuff and get on board with those guys, the level of fitness is through the roof. And so not being at that same level of fitness with the other guys, I never like, quite understood it. And so trying to figure it out, I threw myself at some training stuff and then realized that maybe it wasn't necessarily training. Um, after I left the army, it definitely clicked that it was more nutrition than anything. Um, so that was really my first true love. And then from there, after I left the army and the special forces, my biggest exposure to training was long distance endurance stuff or kind of sessions that made you want to say, fuck that. So I kind of fell in love with doing like triathlons or powerlifting or any like long CrossFit sessions or endurance based like uh, obstacle courses, anything that kind of makes you just go, holy shit, no thanks. Yeah. Um, so I, I really started getting into that. And then through that, I just, I realized I was not shredded. I was not massive and I wanted to figure out how to get there. So I started doing like what everyone else kind of did was reading like bodybuilding.com or any of the crappy magazines. And I kind of started seeing at the bottom of these posts, sometimes like Alan Aragon and stuff, they would have like references. They would have this little thing that said, click on this for more information. And I'd click on it and it opened up my eyes to what scientific articles were. And from there, I haven't looked back. I kind of read three to five pretty much every day for about a year. Um, I read a lot of them and I have like this growing uh, library of like articles that just keeps adding and adding. And I call it Hydra because it's like, once I kill one head, two more just keep popping out. And I realize I just have more to read than I'll ever be able to read and comprehend. But through that, I kind of taught myself uh, quite extensively around uh, nutrition and training, then realized that maybe I should get my personal training certificates and see how I go with that. And what was meant to be like, I think it's an eight week course or whatever. I ended up doing in 11 days, submitting it and getting my, PT qualification so that I could start doing it. Um, Isn't that it, hilarious? You're qualified right. to be a PT after 11 days. <laughs> right? Like, I thought of, like, it was online, so it was all self-paced and I couldn't believe it. But I just, it just felt so like, underwhelming to do it like that. And I was like, oh, well, what more can I do? And so I started looking at other courses and stuff and becoming involved in other areas. And before I knew it, I was arguing online on uh, Facebook and a little bit on Instagram just around different things. And before I knew it, I'm, I keep, like ran into the flex team and uh, saw all the awesome information and very much like paralleled what I was doing on uh, in my little area in space. So yeah, it's really so you weren't arguing with us. I think the word you're looking for is debating, <laughs> not <laughs> arguing. No, no, I was an arguer too. <laughs> Depends yeah. how. You so the reason drawn <laughs> to you, Dalton, um, is because you're currently our in-house nerd. But before you were the Flex Success nerd, you were just a nerd. And uh, we loved that you always kept up to date with the research. You kind of let the research guide your opinions instead of vice versa. Uh, and you were always open to learning more and admitting that you didn't know everything. And which is 
such an awesome quality and something that we feel we can't teach. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I fucked up a lot. <laughs> yeah, and we're we're really you've been on the team for some years now. What three or four, something like that. Yeah, I think it's just coming up to three, just over three. Yeah, yeah the whole How, team. Where is that going? Yeah, Ooh. right. No. Actually, that uh, Facebook memory I shared the other day, that was uh, three years, remember? I went down and we hung out and... It was not three years. Mm. From Bundle Markets? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Alan shared another one today, like two years ago, at, um, at the Collective Eating Food with uh, little Isabel. That, God, that's crazy. So anyways, yeah. all of us coaches are also different with different backgrounds, but the one thing I think we all share um, is our admiration for what the science tells us, not what some celery juice book tells us is good for our health. Yeah. <laughs> we accept you know, the inconvenient truths. It was funny yeah. before, like you see these things under these articles, they're called references. And I was just laughing at myself because when I started in this industry, it was very similar, except the asterisks that came to my mind when you said that was the asterisks on the front of mass tech from muscle tech, the weight gain oh, yeah. in a GNC that said that this puts 12 pounds maybe directly on your chest and arms. And then there was this big triangle and on the back it was like, these statements have not been approved by the FDA. <laughs> How do people do this? And then from there, say whatever you want. Who cares? That's so funny. It's the wild west out there. Hey, yeah, no, it is. It's definitely it is. How the the rabbit hole of papers work. I remember uh, loving Charles Poliquin, aka the Strength Sensei. He passed away what, like twelve months ago now? Yeah, probably from a heart attack. Even though he was um, the king of health. It's super healthy, right? Um, it's it's a contentious. Uh, the way I feel about him is, is very contentious, so I might keep it to myself <laughs> right now. But anyways, I I thought that everything that he said was just biblical. Like whatever he said was absolute truth because he's so smart. And the thing I love about understanding science and learning how to think is that um, I look up to all sorts of people, but I disagree with parts of what they say or particular. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I love that because I think all of us can have people that we look up to and learn from, but also know when to disagree and give some premises behind the conclusion that we've come to. Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. Like it's, yeah, we did. Sorry. Don't yeah. Laugh. yeah. No, no, no. Like it, it's, it's, it really is true. Like being able to like put up your hand to know either way your limitations are or like have, be able to argue with someone because of your experiences and stuff like that. That's like, Eric Helms talks about it a lot and uh, I think James Krieger as well, like the art of coaching where it kind of like you get the your understanding on one side, your experience on the other and you kind of marry them together. Mm. So. And that's where we kind of all really sit, which is awesome, such an awesome thing for a team. Yeah. yeah. I guess like anything, you don't want to be on either end of the spectrum. No, that's yeah. very part. Just going off anecdotal only or just going off absolutely no experience and just... Well, like Dean out. and I were talking about this perfectly the other week when we were down doing the um, the... IFBB nationals is I put my hand up when I was saying like, sometimes I get way too caught in um, trying to do things super evidence-based and realize like that could be my own limitation on clients potentials because yeah. there's some certain things that I don't want to do. And I'm like, ah. but the end game is kind of, kind of goes beyond what you can do as like an evidence-based practitioner and stuff. And so yeah. uh, an area I can easily improve on is being comfortable to put my hand up and go, what, well, let's try and experience this and see what the end outcome looks like. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Where can I meet you in the middle? Mm. Mm. So what do you do for now? What do you do, Dalton? I don't know what you oh, do. Oh, yeah, sorry. We, we cut you off because we said, what do you do? Who, no, so oh. who are you? What do you do and why do you do it? So you haven't told yeah, me so why you do it yet. What do I do? Um, I still don't know what I do. I kind of like pinch myself Pepsi every day. Coke. That's what he does. What a loser. No, that's well. because I'm amazing. No, Coke um, is really better, but whatever. <laughs> Go on. I, um, I still pinch myself in that I wake up walk out of my room, sit on my lounge or sit at my desk and do my work from my home. Or I can do it from anywhere in the world, go to a cafe or whatever. Like that still doesn't dawn on me. It still feels like I'm going to have to wake up from this dream and have a, like a real job someday. Um, <laughs> someone's going to catch on that I'm like cheating the system or something. Please don't leave. Um, so, yeah, yeah, never. <laughs> um, so I kind of do online coaching. Uh, I do a, a study at university as we spoke about as well. So I'm studying a bachelor with the pathway for a master's at the moment. So you can't go straight to the master's. You have to do the uh, bachelor first, obviously. Um, and so it's an exercise and nutritional science. So it used to be a dual degree and then just the right 
just before I signed up, it became one. So now it's focused on both exercise and nutrition for at least the first two years. And then for the full third year, all your electives count towards whether you want to go nutrition or exercise. Um, and that's what will set me up in the pathway for a dietitian. And then after that, once I've done my master's, I want to look at uh, studying within uh, studying a PhD. So that could be anywhere. I'm currently being trying to look at some of the stuff going on with uh, uh, University of Texas, uh, Austin, sorry. Uh, there's a researcher over there, Grant Tinsley, who I'm a massive fan of. Um, I'd love to jump over in his lab and do some work over there. Or McMaster's would be amazing to get a role lab with uh, Stu Phillips doing like the muscle protein synthesis stuff that goes on over there. So yeah. some really cool labs around the world that it would be so cool to get onto. And why do you do it? Why do I do it? I, I don't know. I really like helping people. Like, I guess I think that's the biggest thing is like, I kind of, I think it's very much it goes runs alongside of our, our motto. It's not just do what we say. It's understand why we do it. So you can do it yourself kind of thing. Like we don't want return clients. We don't want people coming back to us that haven't learned the lessons or whatever. We're, we really don't want people to leave too early as well, but we want them to be able to do it sustainably forever. Yeah. And that's like kind of why I do it is because I watch so many people just follow along and miss the lessons that can kind of take them uh, and can carry on their the, uh, journey and their results, but mm -hmm. um, like, and, and, and fall short or whatever. So it's like trying to find that area where I can just get them through and have those moments where it all just comes together, so. Yeah, yeah. I, our little mini motto is uh, creating permanent positive change. And I've had some people laugh at this business model, but essentially we're trying to <laughs> create clients that don't need us anymore. We're trying to make ourselves redundant by giving them all the knowledge and skills that they need to get a result and keep it forever. Um, Could you imagine but, how much conversation I could play if I like my clients left and they didn't come back? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's enough people in the world that- Right, right, like, yeah. Successful clients and then just start on the next one. Well, not only that, yeah, there's yeah. enough people in the world that are being misguided. And then there's enough people in the world that actually need a lot of help too. So, mm. you know, if, if your model was to retain a client in the health and fitness industry to maintain an income, you're basically making the industry worse. Yes. Worse. Essentially saying like, I don't want to help anyone. I just want to get paid by 35 people or yeah. 50 yeah. people or the numbskulls that think they can do 100 people. Yeah. 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 Individualized coaching. I have a hundred clients. Okay. You give them yeah. a lot of time. Anyways, the topic for today, uh, we told Dalton in the brief before this meeting that we'll just try and, you know, naturally move into our topic, which is menstrual cycles. And uh, I joked about Dalton being like, oh, I have a cramp. Oh, what's wrong? Oh, it's my period pain. But I, I don't think there is a way to naturally head into this conversation. Menopause. So, yeah. <laughs> so my man cycle. <laughs> Tell us about your man cycle. Today, around periods, there's lots to discuss, but we thought that we would ask Dalton to start from the beginning, which is the best place to start. What are they? What do we need to know to understand them? And we'll go from there. Cool. Um, so, uh, like really, I don't care what anyone says when it comes to training women and coupling menstrual cycle training, it's so much different than men. So I get like really angry about this whole concept that people just train men and women, the kind of the same. And especially like we see it a lot when people come to us and we go through their experiences with previous coaches and stuff. There is so much that goes on like nutrition, training age, uh, physiology, psychology, and how that all then impacts the menstrual cycle so to like just even avoid this concept where people aren't even paying attention to it really frustrates me uh it was one of the first areas that i decided to delve into because i realized a i was not a woman and when someone when a lady was talking to me about a menstrual cycle i had no freaking idea what was going on i was like i've never had to deal with this ever in my life so being a guy and not knowing i figured the first thing i should really do was know and it's kind of been one of the areas that i delved into the hardest the most uh pretty consistently besides like uh nutrigenomics so I really, really, it really frustrates me when I don't see people talking about it enough. And it frustrates me that people shy away from the conversation and stuff as well. So yeah, I, it kind of feels a little bit wrong that a guy is talking about it, but like, whatever, suck it up. Like it's something we, everyone is going to either face or be faced with. So um, it's like, Not it shouldn't be something that, yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but yeah, so when it comes to like gym sport and stuff like that, it's, it just makes me so angry when I hear that people, uh, don't think that women are any different to men or that they kind of just do the same thing for them. It's re it's really frustrating. Mm. Um, By the same token though, that's not to say that men should squat and women shouldn't squat. And there's an entirely different set of rules. No. That's not. No, what no. Yeah, no, also, no, definitely. Before not. you head into periods, point out that um, 
a withdrawal bleed and a period are two separate things. So women that are on the contraceptive pill and take their sugar pills for a week and then get their period, that's a withdrawal bleed and, and isn't the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. So sometimes if we, you know, ask women, do you get your period, but they're on the pill, it's, it's sort of a different can of worms there. Yeah, yeah, it's a menorrhea. It's not, it's a pseudo cycle. It's not real cycle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all right, cool. So uh, I think, where, where would we go? Actually, something uh, that I like to mention before is about, I think it was about a year ago, Lyle McDonald was doing a massive round of podcasts where he was talking about his book, women's book that he was doing and covering a lot of things around menstrual cycle and stuff like that. It was really cool to see. But uh, I think there was something that he spoke about a lot that I think more people should have heard and took that part away as opposed to the other parts. And that was for ladies to really pay attention to your menstrual cycle, to know when it's going to hit, to know what your body does, to know, or at least the things that are going on around it. Because without this uh, intrinsic understanding of when it is or what's going to happen, the questions that come along with um, menstrual cycle and what to do with nutrition and training and everything else kind of like falls short if you have no idea of what's going on. So if you just simply ask a question and my follow-up or a follow-up could be um, what is your body go through or what do you typically go through in any of these times and you have no idea, well, then that simply isn't going to help you or be good enough. So like one of the first things and we're massive for this is just being uh, tracking or keeping a record or a diary of some way, shape or form so that you can kind of become your own scientist, really jot down or note down the things that are going on so that you have an understanding of what potentially could be impacting it, what you've tried or what you haven't tried and how those have been influencing you because menstrual cycle is influenced by everything like psychology massively, but your training, your exercise, your daily stress that we go through. And that's like both adaptative stress from like training or just lifestyle stress from uh, being uh, working or relationships or sleep or whatever the case may be. So there's all these things impacting it, which means kind of being clueless isn't really a good enough, uh, like a good enough approach when you're trying to influence it or at least, uh, make better decisions right so it's just like that tidbit of being aware and practicing some like tracking or recording and stuff like that because as we know like this is the like when we ask anyone there's no like no one of the frustrating things for us is people really have no idea with their food or have no idea with their training or have no idea with their menstrual cycle and they have made no attempt to at least capture anything of what's going on they kind of just come to you like a blank slate and whilst that's fine, we can, it starts the process. I mean, it gives, we can start from scratch to give yourself the better start. If you're not going to jump on and work with someone alongside this to really start taking notes yourself and tracking yourself just makes sense. So I think that is something that people should have heard and paid attention to a lot earlier on. For listeners uh, who don't really know what variables they should be tracking, because you mentioned to track some things, it would be things like, scale weight hunger maybe bloating what other variables would you put out there oh, yeah. uh yeah let's do the let's do the low-hanging fruit with the assumption that most people that are going to listen to our podcast are trying to manage weight through performance and nutrition so let's try right. and keep it to that okay fine <laughs> blow the wind out of my sails um a cool easy one is body temperature body temperature will fluctuate over your menstrual cycle and that's super easy like the scale to watch the scale can be a little bit funny in that you can have different uh differences going on and unless you kind of understand the phases that you're in it can be influenced uh up or down and so making sense of that can kind of take a long time yeah. uh, body yeah. temperature is an easy one that can kind of go alongside it if you're tracking they're a little, little bit accurate vaginally, though, right the temperature has to be taken vaginally yes <laughs> rectally. definitely rectally <laughs> oh no, he's going rectal now. Oh, it's rectal temperature. Yeah. yeah, well, you have to be able to touch the back of the the cervix, right? All Through right, the rectum. Yeah. Maybe one yeah. one in each, find the average, just to you know keep it. Not two in the pink, one in the sink. Not like that. <laughs> barracuda. That's what we call it. It's barracuda technique. <laughs> no temperature. Uh, Guys. yeah cool so uh you spoke about scale weight before appetite like how you feel so subjective appetite's a massive one as well so um if you're uh noticing there's times where you don't notice hunger at all and then there is a week past and nothing's really changed but your hunger's through the roof that's a good way to kind of correlate some stuff um what else recovery fatigue strength yeah so when it comes into recovery and fatigue and strength, it really depends on how high um, estrogen kind of goes. So estrogen is the hormone that really impacts those there. Or 
inversely how high progesterone goes, even if estrogen is still high, it blunts the impacts of what estrogen is doing along those. So you'll feel a little bit more beat up and stuff uh, in generally your second phase or higher progesterone phases, whereas you'll feel a little bit more well recovered and stuff like that. Um, sleep is another one, but it kind of, again, becomes starts without some other, some other things to eliminate some of the noise. It becomes a little bit hard to use as well. Do you um, want to but those would be easy, super low, low hanging ones. Pardon? Do you want to talk us through the phases? Yeah, cool. Um, so traditional menstrual cycle, like everyone gets told, or if you Google it on, on your phone, you're going to find out that everyone talks about like a 28 day thing and it's kind of bullshit. It's never 28 days. It's not linear like this. It doesn't just go like into these phases, but it's kind of between 24 and 32. They're kind of the accepted limits of where a normal menstrual or a, a standard cycle is outside of that. We start to look at some of the extended stuff and there we're looking more at, um, disease states or menstrual cycle states that kind of change a lot of the stuff that's going on. So 28 days and it's not so linear, but what you are looking for is menstruation. So that would be day one, having a period, having a bleed. So that would be the start of it. Then through to about 12 to 16 days, somewhere in there, you'll have ovulation. So that's when you will notice like your body temperature and stuff going up through the roof. Uh, from there, you'll then kick into from ovulation back to menstruation. But before you get to menstruation, you'll have the typical PMS period, which is the premenstrual uh, syndrome. So literally meaning the don't time before your menstrual cycle. Pardon? I said, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, never well, like PMS. Is that why you're, you're angry today? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's super frustrating. But like, if you ever looked at the physiology, and I'm like, oh. one of the things I wish I had to say at the start of this is, thank fuck, I'm not a female. Because the more I watch this, it like I've dealt with bouts of anxiety. Right, to know that that was coming again in a month's time would freak me the frig out if I had to know like every month for the rest of it, I'm going to feel these highs and these lows and stuff like that. Like yeah, the anxiety about getting anxiety. Right. Um, but then, like, so like I totally understand how PMS can kind of just become like, like it's right after the period of like high estrogen, high progesterone. So as that comes down, like your body only has, uh, has like feedback points. So you only notice the highs and lows. You don't notice like kind of norm, normal times. So you only notice when you're feeling really good, you don't have any reference point for it elsewhere but when you feel really low your reference point just recently was like that was really high like four days prior was like really high so that disparity that difference no wonder women become like irritable like, i yeah. do yeah mm. but anyway so yeah so menstrual cycle 28 days long uh we go uh start with day one being menstruation that's the follicular phase so we start there you go yeah, into ovulation that kicks you into your luteal phase you can break them down even further but follicular and luteal it kind of covers off the general phases of what's going on um and pms kind of being a little bit one that specifically people talk about or understand a lot just because pms is that phase where everyone has some um, something going on where they either have a bad time about it or it's the stuff that kind of impacts them the most yeah so uh from personal experience i hate that i get periods because i don't want periods are obviously helpful for fertility health and I, as a woman who doesn't want to have a child ever, I feel like, what a waste. I wish I just didn't have ovaries. I don't want to have children, like go away. Mm -hmm. But it's something I need to deal with every month and I need to accept that it's a sign of good health, which mm -hmm. we can talk about. Um, and I personally miss training sessions either the week leading up to my period or my actual period because my back aches, my knees mm -hmm. ache. I just, I'm, mm -hmm. I just feel like I've got the man flu. And I just mm -hmm. have like terrible cramps. So because I do keep track of things and I know what to expect, I know that I'm going to miss a session or two once a month. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm okay with training an extra one or two times the week after or the week before to kind of make up for it. So within the month, I'm still hitting the number of sessions that I yeah. want to hit. So from personal experience, um, I, I personally find that helpful. But I do have some clients and friends who have a way easier time with their periods and it doesn't, they don't seem to get sore joints and horrible cramps. Mm -hmm. So for them, they probably shouldn't be overtraining the week before and after mm -hmm. because they're not uh, expecting to undertrain that week. And, and same goes for my food. I personally find that I can tell when my period's coming. I mm -hmm. can't keep track of it like, oh, it's been 28 days. Here it is because it's a little bit more unpredictable for me personally. Yeah. But yeah. I can tell by my cravings and hunger. Mm -hmm. Why... Mm -hmm. Do I want chocolate all day today? I don't understand. And two days later, I'm like, oh, there we go. <laughs> that explains it, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, no. I, 
allow for a little more calories and I, I let myself do it and I know I'll just mm -hmm. not eat um, the following week. So again, mm -hmm. by the end of the month, I'm not in an excess or surplus of calories and I can manage my weight accordingly. The flip of that yeah. would be that I just deal with more cravings, um, which is also a fine way to do it. But I prefer yeah. just to overeat on my calories a little. I don't go wild and then under mm -hmm. eat a little as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There's definitely more ways to manage it than that. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's, and that's really the case. And if, again, if we dived in on the physiology of like that, uh, the PMS, uh, phase or the late luteal phase that's coming up you're actually a fat burning machine so you're using a whole bunch of fats at the time but you're also a fat storage machine so your like sensitivity towards nutrients and stuff gets a little bit easier so the assimilation happens quite well so your body breaks down from some sites and then redistributes them and stores them back in other sites if you don't utilize them break them down over the course of the day being in a, a deficit or a surplus uh, sorry in a deficit or maintaining um with a, a caloric maintenance phase so you're going to have this uh increased fat burning, but increased fat storage that kind of goes on. And at the same time, you've got an increased metabolic rate that happens because of the ovulation. That's your body temperature goes up. That correlation is your resting metabolic rate going through the roof. And that can like end up being like three to 400 calories, right? For some women, depending on like how uh, hot and their body temperature gets, you can kind of correlate it quite well. Yeah. So you see increase in like the total energy expenditure for the day, but then you see increase in hunger and stuff like that because the estrogen is not as high. Progesterone is blunting a lot of the effects from estrogen. So you end up getting um, high hunger cravings, low appetite. So like all well, food just does it, low satiation. So uh, high appetite. And you end up um, just wanting to eat and stuff all the time, which mm -hmm. totally makes sense. So even though you're getting this increase like uh, caloric burn going on at the time, you're offsetting it because you're putting it like through back in. But the key thing is, is what you spoke about before is being able to like manage it. You know, you yeah. know, you've tried and tested what you can uh, and can't tolerate and you know how that's going to affect you. Some people yeah. just let it because people are untracking or they're not keeping a, 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 a diary of things that are going on. When they do it at a little bit of, they allow themselves to, um, be influenced more by their subjective feelings at the time and it's quite easy and we see this a lot in women to overeat the in from that feeling you know how quick and easy is it to gorge on some hyperpalatable foods that ends up five six hundred calories a day in those times and especially if you get a long pms phase imagine you're getting a seven day long pms phase and you go like overeat like that like yeah, that's quite, it's quite understandable why we have like this kind of creeping obesity happening, like menstrual cycle influences it, our environment influences it, um, yeah. the, like food psychology, everything influences it. Yeah. yeah. For, for listeners who don't understand what a wicked problem is, I'll just explain that quickly. We could think of obesity, but we could also think of homelessness, um, economic inequality. There's a wicked problem is when an issue uh, exists because of multiple reasons. Therefore, mm -hmm. just fixing one of them isn't going to fix the problem. We need to account for all of these multiple things affecting, affecting that. So when Dalton was talking about obesity there, of course, menstrual cycles uh, can't be completely to blame for that, but it's a wicked problem, meaning yeah. that's just one of the contributing factors. Now, for sure. One of the cool factors that we're talking about so far that you mentioned in the beginning too is the fact that women are small men. Um, and that's I, yeah. I like a funny term, pointed, but it goes around the traps now. I quite like it. Um, although there are some that probably are bigger than men and have more muscle, but just yeah. the point of this conversation, I, I quite like it. Um, is that the the major variation we're seeing here, at least from a hormonal perspective, from men to women, is you get variation in hormonal status for women quite sporadically, even though it's somewhat controlled. It's going up and down on a consistent mm -hmm. basis. Whereas men, yeah. we're seeing essentially just as baseline boring yeah. hormonal profile yeah. um, and because yeah. of that I find from a, a client coach perspective um, while I don't really want clients female clients specifically looking for problems throughout their cycle because um, I found that to be an issue too with this movement in mm -hmm. making women and also coaches more educated they start to become uh, hyper aware of potential side effects they go searching for issues they mm -hmm. look for reasons not to do things mm -hmm. that's not what we're trying to achieve we're just trying to achieve awareness but um I tend to compare a lot of my female clients, not on a week to week to week to week basis, but on a, a week to next month basis. So it's yep. like a week one in month one versus a week one in month two. And I yep. tend to have varying phases from both a training to nutritional perspective in regards yep. to supplement. Where yep. they get more food, less food. We could be asshole coaches and say less food in 
PMS week, burn calories, burn fat. Mm-hmm. But that's probably not. But they're not robots. They're yeah. This is where that that, that whole like science and art of coaching kind of like ties into it. It's like we might know better that this might be a time where you can get some extra calorie burn, but we realize people are people and they're likely to stuff up at this time if we uh, give them the the potential to. So working with them to make a an outcome that's like derived or like driven by them at a a rate that they're happy with just makes it so much more sustainable. Mm, For sure. So in relation to um, nutrition, I know Lyle likes to kind of cycle calories throughout the phases. That's personally not something that I do too much of um, with my clients because sometimes, well, it's difficult for everybody to, or a lot of people to adhere to the plan as it is. Mm-hmm. And when we start mm-hmm. to complicate things like more food here and less food there, uh, when they're tracking strictly, that. Yep that can complicate things. So although it's something that I like for myself, I'm, I've been tracking macros for so long now that I follow an informed eating approach. And if you don't mm-hmm. know what it is, buy our book, Life After Dieting, <laughs> a little plug there. That for me, it's much easier. But if you're new to tracking macros and you're finding, it, uh, you're finding compliance really difficult, then it might not actually be a consideration that you want to take up. Mm. So there's, yeah, there's more sure. than just that. My, my first approach is always first and foremost, do what you can each day kind of thing. So like, if you fuck up, just go back onto the plan tomorrow kind of thing. If you overeat because of your cycle, just go back onto the plan like the next day or the day after whatever it is and get long enough exposure of doing the basic things to even give you an idea because menstrual cycle can influence a lot of things, but we know like menstrual cycle is only a part of the puzzle. There's so many other things that can influence everything. So if you, like Dean was saying before, if you constantly look for a reason or trying to find a, issues whether you potentially are going to be multiple um, and fixating on something around menstrual cycle you're really kind of missing the forest for the trees there so just doing the basic stuff that you can do every day tends to win out over everything else and whilst yes you can do a lot nutritionally around the the cycle to do uh, to take advantages of both physiology and some psychology the reality of the situation is you need someone that's really good with uh, buy-in on complex uh, programming and stuff like that. People that are busy, like, you know, office workers in town or whatever, like who don't have time to think about their own lives, let alone uh, alternating food every day, yeah. probably not the best, most ideal. And, you know, they're likely to be a higher population than those that have an extra couple of hours over the course of the day where you can manipulate things so much to the point that it's, uh, they're able to adhere to that. So like there's Absolutely. that, those lifestyle factors and stuff really come into it as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I think that's a really annoying answer for a lot of people because the answer isn't, hey, here's the blueprint that's right for everyone, go implement. Mm-hmm. But rather, there's a bunch of considerations and people yeah. need to figure out what's best for them. One thing that I like about uh, kind of having an idea of how my cycle affects me is if I'm feeling like, you know, Dean's done something, I I think I'm very hard to offend. Like you can pretty much say anything to me and I'll laugh it off. But occasionally I'll I'll get more emotional than I probably should. So knowing that, hey, actually I'm in this phase right now and I'm more emotional, maybe Dean isn't the asshole that I think he is. Maybe, maybe it's me. Let me sit on this for, then sometimes it is him. No, this is being recorded. He can be a real dick sometimes. I just, I pause it. Sorry guys, we've had a malfunction there in the uh, audio. Oh, So, so sort of knowing how my hormones are affecting me can help with not just my training and my nutrition, but also knowing when to shut my mouth, sleep on it. And if it's still yeah. me tomorrow, then maybe say something then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, like, and then I light it on fire and then I put it in his face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I like to think of um, these potential disturbances in normative behavior, whether that's hunger or fatigue or, you know, coordination or whatever it is as relaxations to my expectations that's mm-hmm. kind of how i treat them for the most part and it's exactly like what you just said then it's like cool you ate over eight it's actually not that big of a deal you know so long as you did it and you did it consciously i'm okay with that yeah. move on to yeah. the next day and it's a relaxation you're, you're understanding that that uh nutrition and goals are fluid not rigid mm-hmm. 
And yep. I think I think the wonderful the only the only time you can really get to that uh, stage of understanding fluidity within nutrition and training and all the rest of it and body composition is once you actually have the background knowledge to understand that the impact isn't actually that large. Yeah. Yeah. And you can yeah. be reactive with your diet too, because if someone overeats by two, four, six, eight hundred calories, if we mm. wanted to react to that, we could just take that amount of calories off the next day or two, mm. and yeah. then at the end of the week, you're in no surplus at all. It's just you've reached yeah. the calories over the week. Yeah. But, but for yeah, some people sure. who are really struggling with adherence, they're going to struggle even further if you take eight hundred calories off them the next yeah. day, and the cycle yeah. continues. So there's a time and place for that. Mm. Yeah, I find de like determining the nutritional and training age and going like, what do you really understand and where can we do that? And as we build on there, as their goals and expectations rise, I go, well, this is also going to mean that the slip ups that you have occasionally where you eat cookies and we don't record it and you talk to me about it or whatever now have to be kind of be recorded or we need to stop buying them so that you're not having them because your goals are a little bit more serious and we've like kind of progressed up the, that ladder towards um, better goals, but also changing those behaviors for the better as well, so. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Dalton, if, um, if a, a coach was, was listening to this, what do you think some of the biggest things that they, could, they should focus on or maybe make mistakes with uh, in this industry in regards to being aware of the menstrual cycle to better themselves as coaches, what would they be? Um, like, well, making kind of rigid blanket templates of stuff I've seen, I've seen them going around of like, take 200 calories away this week and then 300 calories on the fourth day. And then I was like, what the fuck? Like, as I said at the start, 28 days is kind of like the throwaway guide. But like, if you speak to any lady that's listening, I'm sure it could range from 24 to 32 days and depending on the other stuff that's going on and they're just going to be like, what the fuck? So it just doesn't apply to things like that. So trying to like imprint stuff on there just doesn't, it doesn't work as well. Um, I'd also like to see some more like people having understanding so that like, uh, expectations would be changed. So instead of us trying to change everyone's expectations, like weekly fat losses, kind of a thing, menstrual cycle can really mess with everything. So yeah. monthly targets is totally an okay, okay progress and uh, level of progress. And we see the expectation be daily to weekly. Um, but no, like, and we see heaps of coaches with the understanding that menstrual cycle can influence it, but we don't see the marriage of anyone talking about, Hey, a monthly like uh, weight reduction is totally fine. It's, it's, it's still progress and changing like that uh, perception of what is, you know, fast enough goals for people to achieve success. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What we do at flex success with our clients, for those listening for our female clients, is, at least we get them to record their weight. Um, actually, maybe you guys have a different way of doing it. Yeah, I'm maybe, just yeah. assuming you're all the same. Um, I get my girls to color the cells on the days that they're on their period. So, you know, three or four periods time, we can look back at the data and we can, we can say, oh, how funny is that? Always the day before your period, you're one kilo up. And some people freak out about daily variances on the scales, but then we can start to set up expectations to say, hey, you didn't fuck up the day before. It's nothing that you did wrong or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. this, this is actually a normal cycle for you. And this is how mm -hmm. your weight responds to the hormonal fluctuations month to month. Yeah. That and um, the whole, the kind of influencing menstrual cycle movement that we've seen where people have tried to like delve into it and go like, oh, your menstrual cycle is not long enough and we should do things to influence it so it's a little bit longer. Like that's just crazy level endocrinology. <laughs> and we have literally pharmacists and like uh, doctors to help out with that. And even they're horrible at it. So like some PT trying to do it, just no, scary. No, no. Hey, before we wrap up, Dalton, I'd love for you, to give our listeners um, a quick 101 on how periods can be a sign of health and how not having a period might be an indication of poor health. That's not to say that every woman with her period is definitely healthy and every woman without her period is definitely unhealthy, but they're indicators. Do you want to take mm. us through that? Yeah, cool. So your body has, or females' bodies have, actually guys as well, I should say, um, an amount of food that needs to be eaten each day. And we call this energy availability. So the total amount of calories that you need to eat minus the amount of activity that you do ends up being how much energy available your body has. And this available energy goes towards normal function. So from organ function, brain function, reproduction function, all of that has a cost. And by your body having a menstrual cycle, it means that your body not only has enough fuel coming in but it has the appropriate amount of fuel for reproductive health to to go on so a normal functioning menstrual cycle is actually a, a sign of good health there now you can go dip 
lower in energy availability through a caloric deficit and at times you may shut that down it's totally fine and it's understandable that it's going to happen however trying to get yourself out of that phase back above that energy availability threshold will allow you to restore that menstrual function so that for your future health it has a return in you know all the good health markers that come out of it so totally uh, loss of menstrual function can end things like loss of bone mineral density uh, weakness for uh, hair falling out, poor uh, digestive function. So you get a range of other issues that go on with it. And while some people think, yeah, you're not having a menstrual cycle is awesome, Lizzie, yeah, it's actually, we need it. So uh, it actually correlates with uh, the health that's going on in the rest of your body. Yeah, I have considered starving myself for months on end just so I don't get my period anymore. But then that would mean less chocolate. So it's really a balancing act for me. It I'm would not also sure. mean PMS-like symptoms. <laughs> No. ongoing because starving yourself is never a fun one no it's not so um, i i, I want to word this well that's not to say that if women are eating in a calorie deficit they're going to lose their period overnight it comes down to the length and the severity of the calorie deficit which is why mm -hmm. i anecdotally would say that the largest group of women that don't get their periods would be those coming into a bodybuilding competition because they've mm -hmm. been in a very severe calorie deficit for a very long amount of time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. it can take months for that process to reverse. So yep. our general pop, our general population clients, AKA gen pop who are, you know, 22% body fat and they're trying to be 18% body fat still within healthy ranges. They should mm -hmm. never lose their cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, uh, I will preface it as some women do tend to have the, like the, the, ability to just lose their cycle through a lot of stress like calorie stress yeah. and stuff but if if that happens if there's if if you're on a diet and we would get exposed to you and within the first two months or something like that your cycle is lost there would that would be a massive flag for some psychological help as opposed to nutritional stuff because it, it just means that there's a whole bunch of other things going on and that's really just not it's not going to be you're not going to get the results that you want and it's also a sign of like poor health so get those things uh checked out to look after yourself you know long term yeah, sort of um, on a different page, that's not talking to women with like endometriosis or PCOS mm -hmm. or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, who mm -hmm. expect changes for sure. Mm -hmm. Less frequent periods or heavier periods. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And that's a whole other bag of... Uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for next time. We'll talk about endo and PCOS. Well, we can talk about everything. Hey, like birth control, different birth control methods. Yeah. And what they would do and how you do them. Like they're always fun. Yeah, right. Obesity is a... Yeah, like obesity is a fun one as well because we get a, a fair few clients that come to us that have been previously obese. Like that has a different influence on menstrual cycles. So. Yeah, lots to touch on for sure. Um, but what a nice way to start it off and give people at least an entry uh, understanding and appreciation, I think, of the, the detail that may be necessary to look into, but also just a general idea, I suppose, of the concepts around uh, females and menstrual cycle and things we yeah. can manage. Before we move on to our segments, on behalf of all women, I want to thank you two for not freaking out about periods. Because as a woman, um, I find that as soon as the word period is mentioned or you know you pull a tampon out of your bag, men seem to think that, I don't know, they're going to catch some sort of disease or something like that. They send you down to the river. Or well, actually, my one of my majors at uni is anthropology and we studied um, uh, Papua New Guinean tribe. The women, when they're bleeding during that time of the month they they do get sent down to the river yeah, oh do you know that i remember the story oh all right i told you yeah. and they have to spend the week in in the river and if they dare cross the path of a man the man has is diseased and um there's this whole ritual cleanse where he has to cleanse himself from the disease of the woman and yeah. so anyways i thank you both for not making me feel like i'm diseased for having a natural and healthy occurrence um, that I would argue is necessary for the continuation of humankind. Although so, I'm sure you would be me. so stoked if I sent you to the beach every day. I would love to spend yeah. a week at the beach. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I, that is, I think this is also like an important one. Like if you're a coach and you get uncomfortable with this, like just shut the fuck up and start getting comfortable. Start we getting talk comfortable about periods and poo a lot. Um, I've, uh, I have a funny side. A lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Because like girls come to you and as the guy, I suppose, like you still haven't broken down that barrier as a male coach in this industry to say, hey, you know, it's okay to talk to me about your, your problems or I, I'm not saying your menstru menstrual cycle is a problem. Do not take those Mate. words and use them against me. Um, <laughs> <Pretty good. laughs> I actually had a, uh, a client who had mentioned three or four weeks in, oh, hey, like also, yeah, I've, I've had a bit of like leaky gut syndrome. And I was like, 
what the fuck? Like, this wasn't in your questionnaire. Like, we, we ask about things. medical issues. I really would have appreciated knowing this was something you had. It has some ongoing things for me to consider. And then they'll, oh, actually, no, when I say leaky gut, I just mean that, like, I've been, um, 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 and just like bored for ages. And essentially, what she actually wanted to say was she farted a lot because she had a whole bunch of gases exchanged from vegetables. But that was her soft way of saying, I had mm-hmm. my thoughts, was I had mm-hmm. a leaky gut. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, yeah. For those at home, yeah. too, just tell your coach straight up. And if they have a problem with them, kick them out and get a new Probably coach. the wrong coach. Yeah, yeah. so um, yay for periods. Mm. And thank you for being open and cool with it. Because we didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> we, we, were no. just, we were just born with a reproductive system that functions well. Mm-hmm. And we should be embarrassed mm-hmm. about it. Now, moving on to segments. Oh, actually, before we do, I just thought of a really funny tampon story that I'm going to share with you all. Mm. Um, so- my my mother, the the Venezuelan doll, with her terrible English, said to me when I was I don't know I had boobs at twelve, but I didn't get my period till I was like fifteen or sixteen. It was this really weird thing. So I, my mum found mm. a box of tampons when the time arrived in my bedroom, and she was like, she she can't pronounce my full name, which is embarrassingly Elizabeth. She says Elizabeth. So she said, ay ay ay, Elizabeth. You lost your virginity to a tampon. And she was like so shocked and she like <laughs> leant against a wall. And yeah, I'm like pretty sure that has to be a dick, but all right. Pads. Sure. <laughs> it's cotton dick. Yeah. So so now, thank you, mom, for entertaining everyone. Um, no, now we move on to segments. That was something. <laughs> I think that was something. That's definitely something worth sharing. So the first segment, Dalton, something worth sharing. Is there something that you have read or listened to or watched that you think is worth sharing with the audience? doesn't have to yeah definitely um so recently i've been doing some work around act compassion acting communication therapies and one of the things that we're looking at and kind of works in towards menstrual cycle stuff but also stuff that i use on my clients all the time is kind of identifying in like a and as a super easy way, but you just draw across and you kind of label different things of that you're not appreciative or you're not happy with those behaviors and stuff or outcomes at the time and then once you kind of got a list of the shit that you don't like it's super easy to identify in the opposite direction, things that are going to help you move forward. So like, I always find that when I get asked on different like things or goal setting or whatever, or people have had a really bad week with coaching, I draw this up and within like 10 seconds, you're able to identify like a whole bunch of behaviors or a whole bunch of uh, things that will help you move forward, um, positive goals for you to apply to yourself. So I really like doing that. And I think more people should be aware of it. So like, if you look up, it's just called, um, you should be able to find it through ACT learning and training. Um, but yeah, it's just this nice and easy, like little cross goal that you kind of draw like, like negative behaviors, negative actions, oh, sorry, negative um, thoughts, negative actions. And then you kind of just go the opposite side would be like the positive things that can help. And it's like just a super easy takes two minute skill kind of thing. To be able to apply. Um, uh, so uh, what was most recent ones? I, I just uh, not being able to like take time off. So I had a client that was, uh, that blew out last week, uh, really badly had like a seven day blowout because I thought, fuck it. I, I've stuffed up one day. So every other day gets stuffed up. And, um, we had a whole bunch of, uh, we'd spoken about different goals and stuff that they could have applied whilst they were on their holiday. And we asked why those things didn't happen. And, um, realistically it came down to her not putting enough time aside for herself to have some de-stressing or to like to unplug, unwind and stuff like that. So just identifying through that little like uh, cross, it was like uh, not giving herself enough time to like unplug. And that led to the action of like four weeks down the line of her, enough stress building up that she just decided to th- uh, say fuck it for a week and went yeah. crazy and have offset her results for a couple of weeks and we'll be battling that. Yeah. And that, that in turn, that like just breaking it down like that in turn it goes all right so it's super simple like you can see how clear the need for this unplugging time was we got a week of like poor crappy behavior that hasn't helped you you know exactly what it was now because uh, we've been able to like kind of draw it out and tease it out so now all you have to do is think the things that you want to be doing each day that kind of bring that stress level down what are those all right there's three or four ideas for you to implement now let's figure out how to put that in your day where is that going to fit what's it going to look like if you imagine it how your day currently runs, what could you sub in so that you're not losing out more time, uh, you know, away from your kids or away from your uh, family or stuff like that. So instead of doing maybe five gym sessions a week, now we've worked on doing four gym sessions. And one of those, instead of a session, she now goes and does gardening for an hour as one of her like gym sessions a week. So she hasn't lost any time anywhere. She still has something to do to unplug, but 
like using that kind of cross technique, it just helps you identify things super quickly. I've got, uh, if she's done all her gardening and her garden's perfect, I've got some weeds that need attending to if she wants to pop around. Yeah. All right, well, she's in Brisbane, so I might be able to get her to drive down the right. <laughs> Definitely heighten my stress. What? Gardening. Yeah, Dean doesn't oh. like gardening. I love it. My dad used to own a plant nursery, so I, I kind of half grew up potting plants and I think it's yeah. relaxing. It's not my favorite thing. I, you know, I love plants, as you can see by all my plants oh, around. My God. Ongoing joke, listeners. Oh. Dalton hates a house plant, so for his housewarming, I bought you like, what, two or three plants? That's and then because I, he doesn't want to know that he's, he's made the plant suffer when it dies and that he failed. <laughs> like, it's a representation of him not doing it. It's some really hardy plants that so thrive he's removed, on neglect. No, he's removed that, you know. He's taken away yeah. the, the stress. Now, you need a plant yeah. for your mother-in-law. So now I can only feel positive. <laughs> There's <laughs> enough plants here. Only There's like four. indoor plants. I really like plants. I just don't want to have to care for them. So then I don't. Yeah. I'm happy for him to sit out there on the balcony and not, <laughs> not be my responsibility. Did you, you were talking about a cat then when you just said that about them being out on the balcony. Is that right? Did what I hear that? No, okay. Cat listeners, I apologise. I'm picking on cats. Oh, you're not a cat lover. No. Um, Isabel Dalton's fiance loves a house plant, um, and I'm sending her articles every now and again about like some new ideas on what house plants to get. And yeah, I'm, I'm she really also like, loves to not water them, which means they die. <laughs> Uh, and then they become my issue because it's like this is why i didn't want to have it in the first place uh plant lady has the solution for you there's some uh plant cuttings that you can get and you stick them in a bowl or a vase of water so you don't need to water them and they'll grow roots from there and they just need dim light like you literally cannot kill them like if you kill them it's a serious feat you said this about the last ones and isabel killed those (laughs) Yeah, that's quite impossible. I think I got you succulents, which are indestructible. Yeah. But I do yeah. take responsibility because I think my sand to soil ratio was off. So I think that's my fault. Sorry. Okay, um, okay right. next segment. We're going to ask you... The some... final questions. This is the drum roll. We're like... Yeah. We don't actually have a drum roll. So instead, Dalton, <laughs> question number one. If you could solve one mystery, what would it be? Hmm. Probably like what for like, does it only have to impact me or does it have to impact everyone? Social, scientific. Because my brain went, my brain went immediately to like how I could give myself a superpower that no one else could know about. Political, social, there's a whole bunch of bushfires going on. (laughs) (laughs) You want to squirt water out your ears and put the bushfires out. Yeah, like, I don't know. I think I would love to be like, I love people watching. So I'd love to figure out how to become invisible so that you can just watch people and stuff all the time and kind of just follow them around and see what they get up to and stuff. I think it's, I love it at cafes, sitting there with a coffee, just watching from across the road. So I think being invisible would be like the ultimate people watching. Follow up question. Because you're invisible, you could be in a room where people were talking about you. Do you want to hear the shit that people say about you? Yeah, for sure. You would want to know. Then, yeah, well, like I, because then I would kind of grab like something and knock it off the table or whatever. Slowly <laughs> destroy their apartment and be like, what the hell? Is that? <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. All right. Uh, now, the, the next question. If you were arrested without explanation, what do you think your family and friends would assume you did? Uh, definitely something around public nudity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, Talk yeah, me through uh, that a bit more. Uh, I don't know. I, I had a like. Uh, I had a tendency to like streaking for a while when I was drinking and younger. So it's probably <laughs> that and like all the memories I have when I was growing up of me like either being as a small child running around the house naked kind of thing. So I think it would have to be something for my um, nudist nature from when I was a child. So definitely that. Okay. Cool beans. Both a nudist and a people watcher. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you were invisible, you could be both. Well, I was going to say, you wouldn't have to, you can't wear clothes. You'd have to be naked. Would you see the clothes if you had invisible powers? Would it just be floating clothes? Well, that's what I, that's what I assume. So it's like, oh, I'd just be naked, whatever. But I'll have to walk on glass. You could be a people watcher from like the age of like childhood Mm. up until maybe, I'm going to say like 55, 60, depending on how well you weather. Why? Mm-hmm. And so long as you wear fairly normal and neutral clothes. Like you could just sit at a cafe and watch people all day. What? But the moment, moment you get to 70 and you wear a little bit weird clothes and you just start watching people, all of a sudden I'm a little bit curious as to who you are. Is it a bit rapey? Is that what you mean? Yeah, maybe. Just a little bit on the... Just don't drive a white van. 
it's a little bit Catholic. You know, yeah, there's a little bit so there's a mystery we need solving. <laughs> hey, um, all right. Now the final question. It's a would you rather? Actually, no. It's it's the second final question. Is that a thing? No, uh, it's the final question of the question time. Okay. Would you rather lick an ass crack? No. Sorry. No, no, don't don't lick an ass crack. Would you rather sniff an ass crack or lick an armpit? And it's a male armpit. Okay, it all right. Requires hair, I okay, like I think this needs some context. On the scale of one to ten, with five being the average, like their average looking, their average hygiene, the ass crack is like a six and a half. Mm. The armpit's like a five. So average, huh? Okay. Oh. Just an average ass crack and an average armpit. I'd take the armpit every day. You're gonna lick the armpit. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, yeah I'd, I'd eat a meal out of it. Fuck it. <laughs> Well, yeah. what if you knew the ass crack is really clean? Oh, hang on. You said it's a guy, so like, nah. Sweat is always better than poo. Yeah. Like, My ass crack doesn't have poo in it. There's definitely at least roaming particles within the vicinity <laughs> of your ass. Well, I have a pretty clean yeah. ass. You said a five. If you had a set of one, like they'd been bleached clean. No, I said that the ass, well, a 10 is the best. I said the ass crack was a oh. six and a half and the armpit okay. was a five. Yeah, it still need to be a 10 for 10. And how well, you know, and this is the problem with your others. There's so many questions. A three second, like a just like that pre nose job. I definitely would have gone to sniff, okay? Because you couldn't because we would have known, but now, mm. like a friend of mine said, now that I've had this nose job, I feel like I could snort a line of cocaine from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I know who would have said that too. <laughs> I can narrow that down to like two people. Um, now we're gonna a new segment that I'm introducing in uh, episode number three is tell us your embarrassing gym story. Ooh, I'm sure as gym yeah. goers, we've all got some. I've got a few, but I'd love to hear yours. Oh, man. Um, so the one I think like always jumps out at me whenever I tell this is when I was first a PT, I was asked uh, by a client to teach them how to do a deadlift. And I had no idea how to do a fucking deadlift. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I, I denied it for like ages. And then eventually I was like, oh, fine, let's do it, whatever. And uh, my demo of it was like spastic, like twisted and rotated everything or whatever. And my tips were just horrible. It didn't help him out, but his, his stuff was fine. I watched him do it and I was like, Oh yeah, cool. That's kind of looks like how you did lift. So I had no idea and kind of, it just made me feel super awkward and stuff at the time. It was the worst 60 minutes of my life. And as I was trying to like show him as we built up to the one RMs and stuff like that, I essentially like, farted halfway through going up the my one rm yeah. on that last lift so i was just like mm, not only can i not teach the deadlift or coach this guy into it but now like i farted in front of him so i dropped him as a client after that <laughs> <laughs> it still haunts me uh but we've learned our lesson now if we don't know how to do something we'll just say i don't know how to do it drop them yeah. like... gotta got learn that lesson a bit earlier <laughs> yeah too embarrassed I think literally every person on earth has farted in the gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but whether or not someone's heard it is the, the oh, age old. Well, it just sucks when you've got your earphones on, you're on the leg press, that happens, and you're like, oh, but my music's too loud to know if it was <laughs> silent to violent or, or a loud one. Like, yeah. do I turn around and laugh or do I just <laughs> pretend like it didn't? You just don't know. You definitely just, just lock in and just go, yeah. Just pretend. Noise cancelling headphones. I can't hear anything. Ew, that was, he, did he just do that? Did you guys hear what he just did? Buddy Ruben. That's, it's always Ruben. Ruben. Our dog Ruben. <laughs> yeah, same. Isabel. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. Well, thanks for the chat, D. I look forward to periods number two. Or we'll call it and, menstrual uh, cycles part two. Oh, and um, we'll delve into some the questions. The empire now, strikes back. The menstrual cycle strikes back. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, also, for those of you who have listened to the very end, there is a space on the podcast, the Flip Success podcast page, to submit your embarrassing gym stories. Please leave your name because we'd love to name and shame you. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll read them out. But if you don't, we won't because we won't know how to. Who you true. Are. I love an embarrassing story, though. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you, Dalton? Um, I live at. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you'll find us easily online, Flex Success page. You'll see all of our, my posts, anything there. Instagram, I think I'm just Dalton Frank now. I was Coach Dalton for a while, but there. Or uh, my mobile number for a good time is 0416 972 <laughs> 355. Is that your actual number? What toilet is that written on? What wall? 
whereabouts? I write it everywhere. <laughs> I write it everywhere because it's two digits away from my number. So I'm just like, someone's gonna get Have a great you time. Have called it to see if it's a real number? Uh, no, I haven't. I should try. Let's try. You should. You should give it a go. We see should do it on, on the, the, <laughs> the menstrual cycle. That poor Strikes person. <laughs> yeah, we should call them on the next menstrual cycle episode. <laughs> Let's good. do it. Hopefully it's not PMS week. Um, <laughs> Liz, people that want to keep up with Flex, what are we doing? Well, we obviously our book is being released at the end of this month, aka the end of November 2019. Yes. Uh, but it's ready for sale now. So if you purchase now, we'll just send it to you as soon as it's released in what one or two weeks from yeah, now. Yeah, end of November. And Use the code what? Flex 20, 20% off in the pre-sale time up until December 31st. Mm -hmm. That book is targeted at people who have counted their macros before, have reached their goal weight and are looking for what next. It's called Life After Dieting. So it talks about how to maintain the results you've achieved through counting macros without being so strict on your macros forever. Yeah. Is that a good summary of the whole book? Love it. That was all right. I just put it in my mind. Oh, good. I'm a good salesperson. <laughs> But yeah, that's us. Dalton, thanks so much. Really appreciate you jumping yeah. on as always. And uh, for those listening, we call you the ear people. Do we? Yeah. And for those watching, the visual people, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Bye. Bye.